Everyone say raising the bar. We're raising the bar. Here's what the purpose of raising the bar is all about. It's an endeavor uh, by our church family. This is not just a sermon series. It's an endeavor by our church family, by you and me and all of us, to transform the culture of our church community. You see, not only in our church, but in many churches across America, and the statistics are out uh, when it comes to the church in America, that we've not raised the bar of what it means to be a Christian and to serve God, but we've in fact lowered the bar. How many of you know Jesus was always raising the bar? In fact, when you study His first recorded message, the Sermon on the Mount, He would say, you have said this. This is what you say. This is what religions say. But let me tell you what I say. And he would say a truth. And what would it always be? It would be a raising of the bar. And so we've got to turn the tide. We've got to transform our culture. We've got to change. You see, transformation is a process. Now, Beverly and I have been, been uh, uh, born again long enough to see that there has been an erosion, if you will, or an lowering of the bar of commitment to Christ. And so we're on a war path, if you will, especially here at Church on the Rock to raise the bar. Our, this is what, it, this, these are the three areas that we're wanting to raise the bar in our life. Our church family, our commitment to our church, our commitment to Christ, and our commitment to His purposes. And that's where we're wanting to raise the bar in our life and in your life. And so how many of you know we need to be more committed to Christ today than we were yesterday? And then of course to His purpose. His, his purpose is, and that really is, uh, to win this world to Jesus Christ. As I said a few moments ago, Beverly and I spent the, uh, a couple of days with world changers. People like James Chaco from India. Uh, James has been a longtime friend and has done phenomenal things and continues to do phenomenal things in northern India. People like uh, David Hatley, who is our missionary there in, in uh, Kenya, and how there have been hundreds of churches birthed because of their ministry and impact. Uh, and, and I love being around people who have a, something on the inside that says we've got a divine purpose to change the world. Amen. And then our church family raise the bar in our relationships with one another. Look at your neighbor and say, we need each other, my friend. We really do. And so with that in mind, we've also raised the bar in, effort, in a lot of ways. We're, we're reading through the New Testament and we're memorizing verses. How many of you know it's good to hide the word of God in your heart? And our memory verse this week, it was our memory verse this morning uh, in uh, Sunday Circles. It's the Great Commission. I want you to read with me the Great Commission. I want you to memorize the Great Commission. Here we go. This is Jesus' last words before He ascended to the Father. Everyone together al aloud, please. Here we go. Go therefore. And where is that? Matthew what? Let's do it again. Y'all sounded so good. And here's what I want you to do. You did, it sounded good. I, I cut out just so I could listen. I want you to do it a little louder, a little more forceful. This is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Here we go. Go therefore. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Amen. Now, how many of you, let's be honest. No, I don't want you lying in church today. I want you to be honest. How many of you believe you've got that memorized? Now, now let's do that. How many of you believe you don't have that memorized yet? Let's be honest and raise your hand. Okay. All right. Next week, it needs to be memorized. This is why we're here today. I said, this is why we're here today. This is the Great Commission. If you don't have this part memorized, then laws it. What are we doing around here? Are we, is this just some kind of self-help group or are we going to change the world? 
I said, is this just some kind of self-help, get the monkey off my back kind of deal, or are we going to change the world? I believe we better read it again. In fact, I think because I saw those hands, we need to stand up and read this again. The Great Commission. I'm getting fired up for my message. This is a, here we go. Everybody here, let's stand up and let's read this out loud together. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now lay your hand on your heart and I'm going to ask you, hey, we're, we're raising the bar. I'm challenging you now. I'm challenging you to memorize this. Lord, we lay this, our hands on our hearts and Lord, let this not be just a, a, an option for us, but Lord, let this great commission burn within our hearts, Lord. And let us memorize it not only in our head, but let it drop down in our hearts. We raise the bar of who we are. And Lord, we know you've called us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And Lord, we ask you to help us do that and help us embrace the call of God on our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Now you may be seated. Now next Sunday there may be a test. I want you to know. I may call you this week and just, I may text you. I, I may say, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, I had someone the other day, uh, said, pray for me, pastor. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm battling fears in my life. I said, okay, I'll pray for you. But if you don't meditate on the word of God, uh, and, and, and choose to trust him, my prayers are not going to work for you because you've got to embrace this truth. It's not some hocus pocus prayer that'll get things off your back. You got to engage yourself with the truths of God for your life. And I want you to engage your life with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with a great commission. We're not here if, uh, because it's all about us. We're here. Hey, I've been hanging around missionaries. I've been hanging around evangelists. I've been hanging around world changers. And if we can't get this, then we, we just need to uh, figure out what else we want to do other than come to church on Sunday. Could I, could I be honest with you? This is why we're here. Look at your neighbor and say, this is why we're still on planet Earth. Tell somebody, this is why we're still here on planet Earth. It's time to raise the bar and transform culture. Uh, and everybody said, amen. Now, Here's one thing I want you to know this morning, and I need my PowerPoint person to really be engaged today because here's what I think I have done. I think this morning I have in actuality put my last week's notes in my Bible and this week's notes are in my office at home. So you're going to see if I really know what I'm talking about. So last week, I think I can pull that off. We looked into Philippians and we began to raise the bar in our life. We looked at the book and we realized there's some life lessons in the book of Ephes pardon me, the book of Philippians that'll help us raise the bar in our life. In fact, when you look in Philippians 1 9, you're going to see this. You're going to see it and, and catch the theme of raising the bar. He said this, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Everyone say more and more. You see the raising the bar theme there? Paul doesn't want them to be the same. He doesn't want them just to hang around and just kind of be the same old, same old. He said, listen, I'm praying that you love Jesus and love one another more and more. Somebody say more and more. Look in Philippians 3, 14. Look what he says. Notice the raising the bar theme. He says this, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? My life is one that is moving forward and upward. I'm raising the bar. And oh, if we had time to look in Philippians 3, you'd see that he raised the bar in a number of areas in his life. And, and one of them was desire. He had a desire to serve God and to be more righteous and be more holy and to fulfill God's purpose. Listen, we need to raise the bar of desire in our life. The, the problem is we've let the desires of this life rob us of the desires of His life. Are you with me? And then we looked and we realized that, there's, that, that not only should we just desire to raise the bar, you know you talk to Christians. And they all have good intentions. How many of you know uh, the bleached bones of the well intentions litter the pathway towards the purpose of God? In other words, just because you have good intentions doesn't mean you're going to arrive at the destiny of God for your life. And that's why we looked at the second one last week. That is one of deliverance. You see, if you're going to move forward, if you're going to raise the bar in your life, there's some things that you've got to find freedom from. And here they were, uh, loose living. How many of you know we need to shake free from loose living? 
And you see all that. Hey, I don't have time to re-preach this uh, message. I got the notes, but I don't have time to re-preach it. Uh, that loose living. We got to shake it off. Number, <coughs> number two is limited thinking. When you read through Philippians, you'll find that Paul was trying to change the way they thought about who they were and who God was and have the mind of Christ in their life. You got to shake it off. Somebody say shake it off. And then the third one was we've got to shake off. We've got to find deliverance, not only from limited thinking, but lowly speaking. He talked about how to speak and how to talk and how to uh, uh, change the way uh, you speak. In fact, he said, do all things without murmuring and complaining. And then the last one that I gave you, or pardon me, uh, the last two, was we've got to find deliverance from lazy living. Everybody say lazy living. Ooh, America's... Got a lazy lifestyle and it's transferred into the church, into the culture of the church. And then finally, last week I shared with you that we must find deliverance from latter day seeking, seeking, always looking back and the past, how it paralyzes us. You see, if we're going to raise the bar, we got to learn some things about who we are. We've got to get the desire of God working in our life and His purposes and His plans and begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness and then find deliverance and shake off those things that limit us and cause us to lower the bar. You know, even in this, in this room here, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but could I say to you, in many ways in our life or in some ways of our life, we've all lowered the bar. It's time we stop lowering the bar or, or, or just, uh, and just kind of living loosely and living on our own uh, will and somehow hope God will bless it and raise the bar of who we are as a believer and, and, and realize some people don't like you to talk about holiness and righteousness because they get, they get this mindset of legalism. But could I tell you, the Bible says that Jesus called us. He said, be ye holy for I'm holy. We've got to raise the bar. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to raise the bar. With that in mind this morning, let me share you with you two more thoughts. And again, I'm, uh, Ike, I need you to be ahead of me a little bit. Uh, and here's the third one today that we're going to talk about development. When you look in the book of Philippians, you'll discover that, that what Paul is desirous for these people and for the church is that they grow spiritually. In fact, this definition of development, it should be in the, it should be in the, it's a scriptural word to grow or cause to, uh, uh, to grow or to cause to grow and become more mature. How many of you know God wants us to keep growing? And listen, we should keep growing until Jesus comes back. When you look in Philippians 1, 6, let me show you this thought. Look at it. What he says, in, did I say Ephesians? It's Philippians. Philippians 1, 6. Look what he said. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you see the theme of spiritual growth right there? He said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it or complete it and here's the kicker, until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, spiritual growth and maturity should be happening in our life 24-7. Somebody say amen. Look in verse 25. Look what he says here. And being conformed uh, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of the faith. In other words, hey... There, there, this, you should, you should be progressing in your spiritual life and your spiritual journey. Let me tell you something. If you're not, if you don't continue to progress, you'll get, you'll stifle the growth of God. And listen, the bar will begin to be lowered in your life because listen, you won't stay the same. You'll begin in actuality to be weaker and weaker. Are you with me? So it's a process of spiritual development that God wants us to continue in. Look all the way over into chapter 3, verse 15. Look what it says here. Therefore, let us as many as are what? Mature. Mature. It says, have this mind. In other words, he's addressing the responsibility of our life to grow spiritually. And it's got to be developed. How many of you know spiritual growth just doesn't happen? Look at your neighbor and say, spiritual growth doesn't just happen. And we've got to develop that in our life. And we've got to grow spiritually. And we've got to become more and more like Christ day by day. And so it's time we begin to realize that. There's some areas we from Philippians that we need to grow. We should always be growing in love. That's what he said in chapter 1, verse 9. 
He said, this is my prayer for you. What's my prayer for you? That you would uh, uh, grow spiritually. Look in verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment. Somebody say more and more. You see, we should love him more today than we did yesterday. We should love our brother more today than we did yesterday. Catch this. We should love our wives more today than we did yesterday. We should love our uh, husbands more today than we did yesterday. Paul says you need to always be growing in your love for God. Those are questions we need to ask ourselves. Is my love for God growing or digressing? Or is my love for God about the same as it was yesterday? Listen, if, if your love for God is digressing, you're in trouble. And those you know are in trouble. And the people around you are in trouble. We need His love made manifest in our life. Somebody say more and more. And then we need to always be growing not only in our love for God, but our right relationship with God. Look in verse 11, what he says there in chapter 1. After he said, let me just read 9 through 11 for you. For God is my witness, how I, uh, that's verse uh, 8, verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish I had time to preach on that verse right there. That's a powerful verse. But look in verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. What's he praying? That they be filled. That is, hey, can you see the raising the bar? Always be growing uh, uh, with the what of righteousness? With the fruits of righteousness. Now, let's pause for a moment. Let's ponder the illustration he's using here when he talks about the fruits of righteousness. In other words, your life, he says, I'm praying... That your, your spiritual progress would continue to the point that there would be fruit, there would be evidence, there would be benefit for others because of your lifestyle of growing and maturing in Christ. You see, we should always be growing. Listen, if you're going to raise the bar, you got to keep growing. And here's the third one that I think is profoundly important. We should always be growing and maturing in our boldness for Jesus Christ. Listen, we've lowered the bar here. One of the biggest, one of the biggest hindrances to the gospel going forth is not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of faith and a lack of spiritual boldness to stand up and proclaim and speak the word of God and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look in verse 14. Uh, look what Paul said here. He said about the, the brethren. He said, and most of the brethren in the Lord have become more com- or have become confident because or by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without what? Now, you got to understand something. In their day, the fear they had was not that somebody would laugh at them, but that somebody might harm them physically or persecute them. You see, we're just concerned that people will call us a Jesus freak or something. I don't know. Or that people will not receive us, that we will not, uh, uh, you know, be received by what we share. But Paul said, listen, most of the church, when they saw what I was going through and, and really how he stood the test of persecution in his life, it caused them to be much more bold. Do you know we're living in a world where Christians are being persecuted and martyred, uh, probably more so than we've ever realized in the history of our lives? And we need to let their life be a reflection of Jesus' life and say, if they're willing to lay down their lives, hey, and I'm not just talking about uh, Christians over in the Middle East or over in Iraq and Iran. I'm talking about Christians who got martyred uh, this last month for their faith in Jesus Christ. And if, hey, come on now. Listen carefully. They were not fearful to say, I belong to Jesus. And we need to raise the bar and we've got to always be growing in our spiritual boldness and not digress. How does that happen? We've got to trust Him. We've got to believe Him. And we've got to become bold for Him. Are you with me? Say amen. And these two are certainly linked together. Paul taught, the, taught us and taught the Philippian church that we should always be growing not only in our love for Him and our righteous lifestyle and our boldness to witness and stand up for Him, but in our faith to trust Him and believe Him. Look what he said in verse 25 that he prayed 
that his desire was. In fact, he said, my desire really is to go to heaven. I want to go. I need to stay. He was kind of perplexed and he said, I'm hard pressed between the two. But he says in verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith. Everyone say joy of faith. Listen, he's, he's saying, I know I'm here today. I'm going to continue with you. So you'll continue to walk in the faith. You'll continue to trust and believe God and, 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 and enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living. And look what he says in Philippians 4, 6. He says this. He said, uh, being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's he saying? Listen, you can't let the circumstances of this life knock you off course. You can't let the fact that everything's not coming up peaches and, and, and roses for you. You can't let the fact that you're struggling, that persecution is here, knock you off the faith. You've got to keep pressing forward and you've got to have faith and don't worry about anything. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. That's what he's saying. Have faith. Everybody say, we've got to have faith. You know, I read a book and I need to, I need to find a copy. It's an old book. Anyone ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Oh man, Smith Wigglesworth was an apostle of faith. He wrote a book called Ever Increasing Faith. He was a man of faith. And I'm telling you, there's, there's stories about him. I heard one story. It really doesn't apply to this particular point, but just help you know, he's, he was upstairs asleep one day and he heard the, the downstairs uh, 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 furniture just all joggling and jostling around and noises. He came downstairs and some manifestation of demonic, uh, devilish activity was manifest in front of him, uh, and downstairs, <laughs> uh, just, you know, stirring up things. And according to history, Smith, when he saw this demonic presence in his living room, he said, Oh, it's just you. And he went back to bed. He was an apostle of faith. But the focus of his book, Ever Increasing Faith, was that, hey, our faith needs to continue to grow and grow. We should always be maturing and growing in our love for God, in our righteous lifestyle, in our boldness for Him, and our faith today. Listen, could I tell you something today? Could I just talk to you a second? Hey, if you think you need faith today, what about tomorrow? Do you think tomorrow is going to be easier to live for Jesus than it is today. That's why our faith needs to continue to grow. And listen, our spiritual growth should always be or should be continual. We talked about that. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. You can't stop growing spiritually. And how many of you know, if you don't feed yourself spiritually, listen, that's what a lot of this, what a, a lot of our, I don't have those uh, challenge cards, we're reading through the New Testament in seven weeks. We're encouraging you to memorize verses. No, we're not encouraging, we're challenging you. You see, listen, I'm going to change my terminology right there. I'm not encouraging you to grow spiritually. I'm challenging you, and could I be pastoral? I command you to get up and start growing. How many of you parents just encourage your children to clean up their room? Yes, they just need some positive reinforcement in their life. I'll clean it up for them about 47 times, and maybe they'll learn how to do it. How many of that don't work? What do they need? Some good motivation. Hallelujah. My daddy, he didn't, he wasn't super spiritual. But he knew how to motivate his son. Who glory. Listen, as your pastor, I challenge you. I command you. I exhort you to begin to realize that if you don't grow spiritually, if you don't engage yourself spiritually and begin to read your Bible and pray and seek God and serve others and share the faith, you're going to die spiritually. Your children are going to suffer for it. It's time we get up and start growing. Could, could I get a better amen? And you can't take vacations from this. Beverly and I are going on a little mini vacation. Let me tell you one thing I'm not going to vacate from. My spiritual growth process. In fact, in some ways, I'll be able to address 
my relationship with the Lord more just because I don't have the pressure of, of, of teaching and preaching during the week. I'll just be able to meditate on Him and, and just allow His Word and will to be further realized in my life. It's got to be continual. But number two, spiritual growth has to be really tangible. In other words, you've got to be able to see the fruit and the progress. Look what he says in verse 27 of chapter 1. He says, let your conduct, follow me, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. What's he saying? Your growth and your spiritual walk has got to be tangible. People have got to see some things changing in your life and so much so that the report will go to whoever you know that, hey, this person conduct in the way they're living their life is real. There's a tangible growth process going on in their life. Are you with me? And let me ask you something today. Do others see the spiritual progress you're making? La-dee-da-da, la-dee-da. Is there evidence? In fact, you know what Paul told Timothy? I think it's in 1 Timothy. He said that your progress may be evident to all. Everyone say, he, he told, he told Timothy, he said, he was talking about spiritual growth and reading and studying and meditating. I think it's in Second Timothy 2, I'm not, I, I'd have to go look. It, it was in my notes at, back at the house. So I'm just shooting from the hip here. He said, he said, you've got to do this. You've got to keep growing spiritually and meditating on the word that your progress may be evident to all. Sadly, if people could testify about our life, There'd be a lot of people in the world might ask this question. You know, when I first met you, you seemed pretty zealous for the Lord, but what happened? You lowered the bar. You thought just because you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and maybe even spoke in tongues that everything was okay now. No, there's, there's a tangible. It, it, your relationship with Christ has got to be tangible and your spiritual growth has to be tangible. There has to be evidence. There's got to be the fruit thereof. As Paul said, I pray that the fruit of your righteousness would be made evident. There would be a tangible evidence of your spiritual growth. And then number three, our spiritual growth has to be visible. Now, it's a little different. Tangible has to do uh, with uh, uh, what others see. But uh, here's, hey, people have to see it from this standpoint. Look in uh, Philippians 2, verse 15. He said that you may be become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'm telling you, we're talking about illumination. We're talking about a life that causes the light of God to be made manifest in the dark place where you can begin to see your future, where others can see Jesus in you and others begin to see the revelation of Christ in your life. Your spiritual growth has to be continual, tangible, and visible. But then number four, and this is why we're here, and this is the process, this is why we, we need to embrace the Great Commission, uh, our spiritual growth must always be transferable. In other words, it's not just coming to us. Spiritual growth is not just for us. It's to be able to share with others. Look what Paul said in Philippians 3.17. Brethren, everybody say Brethren. He said, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. What was he saying? He says, the spiritual growth and maturity of my life can be, can be followed. You can model and pattern your life after my life. 
Because I'm endeavoring, as you see in Philippians 3, when you read a little deeper, I'm, Paul said, I'm endeavoring to pattern my life after him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And listen, you can follow me because I'm following him. My desire is to go to heaven and be with him. I want to be like him. I want to experience his glory, not only in this life, but in eternity. And listen, the spiritual growth and maturity that has developed in time over my life, you can follow that because it's transferable. You need to understand that what God does in your life can be imparted into other people's life. Listen, you're, Hey, if you grow and you mature, listen, that's how other people, did you know growing Christians grow Christians? Mature believers grow maturity in other believers. That's called discipleship. In fact, I love what Michael said last, not last week, but the week before when he shared oh, raising the bar concerning discipleship. He said, you find it interesting. Jesus went out and he found some people and he said, listen, you follow me. And, and, and we've become a little lackadaisical in that mindset when we talk about raising up disciples. Uh, Michael said this, listen, from a biblical perspective, we don't wait for people to gather around us and say, teach us a wise one. We find those who God brings into our life and we say, we challenge them to follow Christ. And we get into their business. What did Jesus do with Peter? He got in his boat and he got right into the middle of his business. And he said, listen, if you'll follow me, I'll not only give you a bunch of fish, but I'll turn you into a fisher of men. But you got to get up and get going and get busy and realize, hey, I'm not going to sit around here and invite you and encourage you and plead with you and beg you to follow Jesus. Because if you're going to follow me, you better get up and get going. Because here I go, bless God. Whoo. Man, aren't you glad I lost my notes this morning? Whoo! What in your life is transferable to someone's, uh, someone else's life? Because he warned about those others. He said, listen, there is another. Hey, you got me as a pattern, but many walk, verse 18, of whom I tell you often and now tell you even weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. It's transferable. We've got to develop ourselves spiritually. These, hey, raising the bar principles, the first one last week, you've got to have a desire to change. A desire to be like Christ. You've got to be delivered from some things so you can move forward. And then you've got to, you've got to begin to yield yourself to a spiritual growth process of development. And then number four, and I'm just going to hit this lightly. And this will finish off this Philippians thought. Great uh, raising the bar life principle that we learn from Philippians is discipline. You see, if you're going to raise the bar in your life, it takes discipline. I was at my mother-in-law's house for just less than 24 hours. Spent the night with her Thursday night, right? Right? Friday morning. The ladies are all sisters and mom. They're all talking. I went on a walk down to the park. And let me just say, it's not because I'm in such great physical shape. It's just hard to get a word in edgewise with all the sisters getting together. So I'm walking through the park. It's a great, and it was such a great display of different levels of discipline. There were people walking. That was me. There were people jogging. That was not me. There were people riding their bikes. That was not me. And then there were the mothers with children. I saw something from afar. Not a fire, afar. And I said, what in the world? And it was about 25 mothers with children in strollers. The strollers were all sitting under a tree, I promise you. And, and these mothers were getting down with their, with their exercise. I could hear some lady barking orders. Mama's running and frothing and foaming and exercising. And I got up close. I was in awe. Because, how I many of you know, motherhood's challenging enough. 
And so as I walk by, it was kind of funny. They're all just, man, they're just up two, three, four. I mean, sweat and slobber flying and little babies in their, uh, and, 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 and I don't think there was, I mean, one of the, one of the criteria for being a part of this group, you got to have a stroller and a baby. And so I made one long circle around and they about wound up by the time I got back. I said, I got to talk to one. I, I got to, so I asked, I said, is this something y'all just do every once in a while? This lady, she's, and I had to, I had to go to keep her. I mean, she's booking with her stroller now. She's heading back to the car. So I'm beside her. I said, I said, uh, do y'all, she said, no, we do this six days a week. I said, what? I said, do you pay money to do this? She said, oh yes, it's a monthly fee. We do this six days a week. <laughs> you know, and it's great. And the kids get out. And, and off she went. I went, OMG. These mothers. And finally, as she's leaving, I said, I bet your husbands are happy too, aren't they? And she said, yeah, they are. <laughs> and, off they went. And, I, and I'm just amazed at the discipline these mothers had embraced in their life. And I told her, I, I got, an, I don't know if it's her or another one. Uh, I asked them some questions. Uh, you know, I'm kind of fond of women, so I was talking to them, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, I, and so I went by, I said, I asked her another question and she answered me. She's happy. Uh, and, and I said, you know, y'all, y'all inspire me. I'm going to take another lap around the park. If y'all can come here and huff and puff six days a week, pushing one lady after it was all over you know what she did she didn't walk back to her car she had two kids and with them double thing she took off running on them kids and i thought as i walked around i need all these ladies to come talk to y'all tell you about what it takes to be disciplined number one i i, I bet you they must have a desire I wanted to, in fact, one of them, she got to pass me. I was going to ask her, you ever have a problem getting up and getting here? I just needed to know because I do. They have a desire. And then they have to shake off some things. I got to, I got to put aside this. I got to put aside that. How many of you know if you're going to be disciplined, you got to be disciplined. And then they're in this process of development. Physically, and, and let me just tell you, did you know people who are physically fit are most of the time more mentally fit as well? Isn't that right? It is right, isn't it? I'm telling you, when I get down physically, these ladies know something. And they're disciplined. They got something on us. They may all be going to hell in a handbag. I don't know. I didn't know their spiritual. Uh, uh, some of them, I, I, I really don't know. But I'm telling you, I walked uh, around the park another time, shaking my head, going, "Wow." Let me give you four things quickly. Paul and Philippians talked about that we've got to be disciplined. In number one, we've got to be disciplined in our prayer life. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Everybody said when you pray. In fact, Paul told the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. In other words, pray all the time. Always be in fellowship with the Father. Look what Paul said in Philippians 1, 3 and 4. I thank my God upon uh, every remembrance of me always and every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What's he saying? Man, I love you guys and I'm praying for you. There was a spirit of prayer on the life of Paul and he, he, he modeled for us the necessity to pray. And in fact, when he got over to Philippians, I read it already, Philippians 4, he said, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. In other words, and, and you know what most of us do? Prayer is a final option. Last ditch effort after I've worried myself sick and, and bummed out everybody else and stirred up controversy and conflict in my home when all else fails, for goodness sake, maybe God will talk to us. No, Paul said, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Everyone say, don't worry about anything. How many of you know that takes discipline? Did you know worry is a lack of spiritual discipline? Let's all say that. Worry is a lack of spiritual discipline. I got three of you. Let's all say that. Worry is a lack of spiritual discipline. 
Fear is a lack of spiritual discipline. And so we've got to be disciplined in our prayer life and become consistent. You follow the model. Everyone say, follow the model. You follow the model of Jesus. He prayed in the morning. He prayed at night. His life, it was a lifestyle of fellowship with God. He modeled it. Paul modeled it. We're praying and seeking God. It must become a spiritual discipline. Amen. And then number two, we've got to be disciplined in the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. That's that passage in chapter 12 when he says, you know, it's actually all this trouble and trauma I've been through, this, these chains and this imprisonment. Verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And then when you read all the way through verse 18, he said, some people are preaching with wrong motives. Some have right motives, but let me tell you why I'm happy. I'm happy, 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 Paul said, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And we've got to keep that discipline in our life and realize I'm not here to just model a smiley's face and just, you know, uh, uh, and, and show my neighbors uh, that I love Jesus because I go to church every once in a while. I'm here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got to be disciplined in my prayer life. I've got to be disciplined in the proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's got to become a discipline of mine. That's why we ask you, and this has been a challenge for me, ask you in this season of raising the bar that w- at least one time a week, we share on some level the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. It's got to become the habit of our life. It's got to become our discipline. And then number four, we got to be dis. Pardon me, number three, we got to be disciplined in our praise. Now let me explain this. Oh, everybody, go get ready, get ready, get ready. Now, where's Paul when he writes this letter? He is in. I said he is in. He is in jail. He's in jail. He's in prison. You would never know it by his attitude. You would never know it by his lifestyle of, pro, of, of praise. In fact, gosh, uh, let me just go through. There's Philippians 4, 4, but let me just pick out some verses here. Let me, he talked about, uh, oh gosh, over in, in chapter 1, verse 18. He said, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Now, Paul is jumping on and has gotten on the, the, the rejoicing bandwagon in his life. It's not based upon his circumstance. And let me tell you something about praise. Boy, if you're going to tweet anything, tweet this. It's not up there. If you're going to remember anything about this, remember this. Listen, praise and worship should not be just a reaction or a response. It should be a lifestyle. Now, it's okay to, to react to something good and go, whoo, praise Jesus. Everybody go, whoo, praise the Lord. Man, you hear good news, what do you do? Whoo, praise the Lord. You get a check in the mail, whoo, hallelujah. It's a reaction or a response. You read something good in Scripture, and man, it stirs you. Whoo, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I rejoice. That's all good, but listen, praise and worship should not only be a reaction and a response, it should just be a lifestyle that overrides what you're going through at the moment. And he said, listen, the gospel's preached. I'm in jail, but the gospel's preached. Somehow God used this prison of mine to proclaim, to, to proclaim even to the palace guards, he said. And others now are more bold to preach the gospel. The gospel's going forward. I'm in prison, but who cares? Because the gospel's being preached and I'm rejoicing in this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. And then he says in chapter two, Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I'm not run in vain or labored in vain. And yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Everybody say with you. And he said, for this same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
And then in chapter 4, undoubtedly in the middle of some conflicts or circumstances of the Philippian church, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Somebody say always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I heard to you, uh, anything else today, you get this one down because your attitude affects your altitude and your altitude will determine your destiny. If you walk out of this room and say, you know what? I'm going to quit just praising him because of something or or reacting and and responding. I'm just going to get up and praise him. I'm going to walk in a lifestyle. I'm rejoicing in the Lord always. It's not based on what I'm going through. I'm going to be disciplined in my prayer life, disciplined in my proclamation and preaching of the gospel. I'm going to be disciplined in the praise of God in my life, not based on my circumstances, but based on my position with Christ. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas tonight. Amen. And then finally, we've got to be disciplined in our progress. You've got to keep pressing. That's what Paul was praying in chapter 1 and that's what he said in chapter 3. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the prize of the upward call of God. Everyone say press toward the prize. That means it, it's a it's it's a uphill battle. It's a struggle. But I'm pressing. There's an old hymn, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It's the discipline of progress. Now, there are times in every person's life, listen, when they're tempted to quit. Beverly and I sat and listened to the story of a missionary. And he shared his story for this last year and the trouble and the trauma. This man is a hero of the faith. Could I tell you? I hold him in high regard. And he shared with me the trauma of this past year with family who did him wrong. Ministry. Team leaders who did him wrong. Trouble with kids and trouble with church. I looked at my wife. I said, we never have a right to complain ever again. If we ever do, shame on us. And he said these words. And I didn't even know when he was going. I did not know. I told him, next time you need to call me. He said, well, my wife told me to call you. But I said, I'll just wait till I see you. He said, Sam, you don't know how hard it was to keep on going. We just wanted to quit. But because he's disciplined, I know he's a praying man. He's a preaching man. He's a praising man. He just kept on doing it. He struggled in trouble. Circumstances and trouble and trauma that if any one of us probably have gone through any little part of it, who would have thrown in the towel. I came to tell you what I learned this week. While I was gone hanging out with men and women from all over the world, is that we can't afford to quit. We've got to keep moving. You see, spiritual raising the bar requires the discipline of prayer, the discipline of proclaiming the gospel, and praising God regardless of the circumstances and keep moving forward. This is not a commercial 
really, it maybe is, but my little book out there. We'll walk you through what to do when you get knocked down in life. When the devil does his darndest with you. Fallen, struggling, stumbling. What you have to do under the strength of God is get up and keep going. You can't quit. Look at your neighbor and say you can't quit. Let's stand together. Thank you for your patience today. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Let's just stand in His presence for a moment and ask God to let this Word set up residence in our hearts. Lord, we love You. We thank You. You're going to give us strength. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just let the Holy Spirit have His way. If you're here today, let's just go to the end of this. And you've been tempted to throw in the towel. You've actually said with your mouth, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I wonder if I just should quit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, I want to pray for you right where you are. If you've been battling those kind of things, listen. If so, you're in good company because the one I shared with you about is a hero in the faith. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. I've been tempted to quit. God bless you. Who else? Thought about just chucking the towel. Father, you see these hands. I pray for them and others. This message would empower them to get up and begin again. To not let the past govern their attitude or their lack of gratitude. Not even let the present trouble and trauma and the persecution of their moment, the pressures of their moment keep them from living a lifestyle of praise and worship to You. I pray today that everyone in the, this room listening within the sound of my voice would find a new level of discipline and raise the bar with their spiritual development and their spiritual disciplines in their life so that the desire of God in them could be realized so that the purpose of God could be established. We thank You for it today. And finally, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said yes to Him, but today something on the inside of you says, I need Him in my life. I need to find some deliverance in my life from the things of this life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to know that I know that I know Jesus Christ in my life. Lift your hand wherever you are. I'll pray for you. Anyone here today, say, Pastor, I just need to invite Him into my life. I need to yield my life to His control and His governance. Anyone? Father, we thank You today for Your Word. Let it change our lives today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Word of God a hand and let God know we love Him today. Hallelujah. Everybody say, this is the day the Lord has made. Say, I will rejoice and be made glad. God bless you today. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you so much.